Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are, what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you want to partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to visit our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Edmond Campus pastor, Wade Smith. Can we raise our voice one more time and say, thank you, Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but... uh, I'm excited for today. I've been stewing on this word for about six months. I went back to this, this verse and this, this story. Today we're going to talk about a, a chain breaker. You know you serve a chain breaker? It's a story of Paul and Silas. Before we do, Pastor John um, is at his nephew's wedding, and I know he's watching us right now. Would you say hi, Pastor John? Say, we love you, Pastor John. I'm so thankful. I am so thankful for our lead pastor and the way that he leads us, the way that he um, listens to the Lord and um, his friendship to me. And so we are very blessed. I just want you to know that we're very blessed to have Pastor John as our lead pastor. I want to say hi to Edmund. Say hi to Edmund. We love you, Edmund. And uh, Pastor Oscar is actually in Edmund right now. Say, hey, Pastor Oscar, we miss you. I'll be gone next week. He'll be back. You can, don't, don't worry too much. Well, I want to look at this story, and uh, it's in Acts 16, 16 through 26. I love this story. It says, once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners By fortune-telling, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept up for many days. Finally, Paul became annoyed. I love that. That he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out here. You know there's power in the name of Jesus. We just sang about it. There's power in the name of Jesus. So at that moment, the spirit left her when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into a prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them very carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet with stocks. And I love how it shifts in verse 20. You ready for this? Verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Can we say thank you to God, who is the chain breaker? The chains were loose, and I pray that today, listen... Some of you walked in chained. 
Some of you walk into here to OKC or in Edmond, or some of you are sitting right there online at home because you can't even make it to church. You feel chained. I'm just telling you today you serve the chain breaker. So my title of today's message is this, is that we praise until something breaks. Can we praise God? We praise Him until something breaks. Go ahead and slap a high five, grab a seat. And we'll get started today. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that today something would break in us, Father. I pray that chains would be broken. And I pray, Lord, that you would do something great in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Those of you watching online, we believe God has a specific word for you today. And I'm so thankful that you joined us today. Well, I want to unpack this story uh, six, uh, several months ago, I was in a season of kind of some frustration. Anybody have frustrating moments in their lives? Come on, let's just be honest. Some of you are pointing at the person that's frustrating you next to you. I know, I get it. And I was kind of going through this, this, this frustrating, frustrating season. And I remember when, when God brought me back to this story. And he spoke some specific things to me in that time. See, I want you to understand is that chains don't always have to be the big chains, like the addictions or the marriages. Sometimes chains can be as little as a frustration. Because if you're not careful, frustrations turn into much bigger problems. Frustrations have no end to them. And if you're not careful, your frustration will end in bitterness or, or anger or resentment. And I remember I was in this season and I remember God, God bringing back this story. And so I want to unpack it with you today. I think it's going to be applicable. In fact, I love this, this verse that stuck out to me. The first thing that caught my attention is verse 20. It says, they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. First thought today is this, your faith will lead you to trials. Now we were hollering, we were excited about the chain breaker, but at this point of the sermon, you're like, I don't, I, why is Pastor Wade here? I can't believe this. Listen, just don't leave till the end of the message. I promise it's going to get good. Verse 20, I think is more applicable today than I've, in my lifetimes, it's ever been. It says, they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept our practice. Do you realize that that's kind of where we are today? It is. You know, you, growing up, I always heard about these missionaries in, in other parts of the world where, where they would lose their life for, for the sake of the gospel. And I thought to myself, man, that's amazing. But I never thought we would be at this point, at this point in, in history right now in my lifetime. Because our faith is, is, is under attack. I'm just going to be honest with you. And it may be at some point under attack that we could even be in this type of setting doing what we're doing, worshiping God. But aren't you thankful that despite that, God is a chain breaker? By being physically chained, he is a chain breaker. And and it's true, though, that our, our faith will lead us into trial. I don't know about you, but but... But 
I face trials. You ever face trials? You're just kind of nodding like, yeah, I'm in a trial right now. You know, there's a gospel that, that has gone around that, that would present the idea that when you give your life to Christ, everything's perfect. That when you give your life to Christ, that you will have no more issues. That's not the, the gospel. That, that leaves people, that will end up leading people hopeless at some point. Because at some point in your relationship with God, you're going to have trials. If Jesus had trials, wouldn't you, why would we expect to have any, anything different? If the disciples and those early followers of Jesus had trials, why would we think that it would be any different for us? In fact, it says this. It says, it says uh, in Psalm 34, 19, the righteous person may have many troubles or trials, but the Lord delivers them from them all. The only difference between us and the world is that we have a God who is a chain breaker. And some of you walked in with trials. Some of you walked in with issues. Some of you walked in feeling broken. Some of you are sitting right there in front of a computer screen feeling like you're empty. I just want to remind you that no matter what you're facing, no matter what trial is in front of you, that you can turn to a God who loves you, who cares for you, and ultimately who can break the chains off of you. He's a chain breaker. But the enemy's real. And his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants nothing more than to separate you and your relationship with God. I, my uncle was a missionary for many years and mostly in Belize. And he would go into areas where, where they hadn't even seen civilization. And, and he, he, I remember he, was, he would sit with the family. He sat with the family. I wasn't here at this particular time. But he told my, my family, he said, listen. He said, I, I'm not going to tell you the stories. There, there's too, I, I just can't, I can't go there with you. They're, they're too graphic. But he said, I, he said this. I can tell you this, the enemy is more real than you think he is. The enemy is more real than you think he is. And the enemy wants to bind you. He wants to chain you. He wants to imprison you. He wants you to feel depressed. He wants you to feel defeated. He wants you to feel empty. But just as though there is an enemy that is more real than we think there is, than he is, there is a God that is more real than we are aware he is. And there is a God, listen, in the unseen where we cannot see, there is a God working. And you may feel like you're broken. You may feel like you're empty. You may feel like you're chained. You may feel like you're in prison. But I'm just telling you there is a God working on your behalf in the unseen where you cannot see. And we just have to continue to trust God because we're going to face trials. But we can't allow the trials to break us. See, Paul understood persecution. Now, I'm not talking about persecution like some of us face sometimes, like when we post something online and all of a sudden someone doesn't like our post. Oh, you poor thing. Now, I'm talking about real persecution. I'm talking about when you go into your workplace and, and people know that you're a Christian and they treat you differently because of it. Well, they want nothing to do with you because maybe you don't accept maybe the beliefs that they have. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you've experienced this, that they judge you 
without even getting to know you just because you're a Christian. You ever had that happen? Every time I, I enter into a conversation with someone and they ask me, you know, as men, we always talk about, well, so what do you do? You know, and, and I'm always like, well, I'm a pastor. And like in that moment, I know something's going to change in the relationship. And you know, what's, what's funny is heathens turn into gospel preaching people. They just know the word in that moment. They want to they prove themselves in that moment. Or the, the other thing that happens is they just, ah, I don't want anything to do with you. I believe that, that right now, our younger generations, I can say that now because I'm in my 40s now. I'm old. My wife was cutting my hair last night. She's like, that's a lot of gray hair on the floor, honey. I said, you're so sweet. But I believe that the 20-somethings and, and, you know, I've got four kids and I think about a lot the, the world my kids are growing up in. I believe it's harder for them to follow Christ than any other generation before them. Because truth, listen, truth to the next generation is what's true to you is true to you and what's true to me is true to me and truth is relative. Can I tell you that truth is absolute? That there is an absolute truth and we only find it in the word and for some t sometimes you may have to stand there for what is true even if it is different from the world and you may face a trial, you may be persecuted. In fact, check out what it says in scripture in Matthew 5, 10, Jesus talking about what it means to be blessed and here's what he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. <laughs> you ever thought about that as a blessing? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted because they do the right thing. Woo! <laughs> Blessed are those who stand up for what's right and are persecuted for it. Blessed are those who stand true to my word even when their generation won't and they're persecuted for it. Blessed are those who fight for their marriage even though everybody else would give up. And it feels like they're persecuted for it. Blessed are those who keep praying for their children. Even though their children are running and want nothing to do with them. And it's persecution. It says persecuted because of righteousness for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. That we will experience, listen, listen, let me say it again. If the disciples and Jesus face persecution, what makes you and I think any different? Our faith will lead to trials. But fear not, for he has overcome the world. Can we give him honor and glory and praise? Woo! See, one thing that stuck out to me is, is you know, when you read through the New Testament, and you read about Paul, you always see Paul with someone else. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Silas, Paul and someone else. Because I think Paul understood that in facing trial, it's really important to have a companion in your life. Not just someone to do ministry with, not just someone to pour into, but someone to be right there beside you when you're facing difficulty. You ever face difficulty by yourself? It's hard. And I think there are seasons when God wants you alone with him, absolutely. And I think there's other seasons where God says, I need you to have someone right there beside you. 
Because when Paul was thrown into to prison, it wasn't just him. He had Silas right next to him. Sometimes we need someone there with us that will pray for us when we can't pray for ourselves. We need someone to worship for us when we can't worship ourselves. We need someone to encourage us when we can't encourage ourselves. we got to have someone with us. Paul understood the importance of, of having a companion. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have that, find that. The best way to find that's right here in your church. Edmund, right there in your, in your church. If you're online and you don't even live here, find a church and plug in because it's in the body of Christ. I think we learned in 2020 that, listen, church isn't just online, it's together. And God can use technology and he uses online, but there's something about the saints, the body of Christ coming together, encouraging, locking arms, praying, worshiping. Power happens where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them so your faith will lead you to trial point two in your prison or trial respond with prayer and praise verse 22 the crowd joined in the attack against paul and silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged they were thrown into prison the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully say carefully when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, say inner cell, and he fastened their feet, say fastened. He fastened their feet in stocks. This is about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I like to insert myself in the Bible, don't you? I think sometimes the best way that I can understand is the Bible is when I put myself in this situation. So I put myself in this situation. I want to read it again, but verse 25 is going to be my response, okay? You're going to love it. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, against Wade. And the magistrates ordered him to be stripped and beaten with rods after he had been severely flogged. He had been thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them, him carefully. When he received these orders, he put him in the inner cell and fastened his feet with stocks. And at midnight, Wade curled up in a ball and cried by himself. <laughs> and at midnight, Wade curled up in a ball in the corner and said, Why, God? I'm doing your work. Why, God? I'm going to work every day and trying to do what's right. Why, God? Maybe this is you. Why, God? I'm praying for my marriage. Where's my break? Why, God? I'm trying to do what's right with my finances, and I just can't get a breakthrough. Why, God? This is where we respond. Our response often looks like complaining or blaming or justifying or avoiding or overcompensating or just saying, why? Paul and Silas responded. Nothing else is said. Verse 25, they're flogged, they're beaten, they're thrown in the inner cell, their feet are fastened, and they worship and pray. See, I think the, the markings of a spiritually mature person is how quickly we move from trial 
to prayer and praise. How quickly we can go from difficulty to God, you're bigger. So when I was a youth pastor, I'd been a youth pastor for three weeks. I, I didn't tell the, my bosses, but I had no clue what I was doing. I acted like it, fake it till you make it. They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And so I remember three, about three to four weeks into my very first youth pastor position, I got my first funeral. The only way that I got this funeral, that I was supposed to, to lead this funeral, was that I was the only connection to the past, to a, to a church because the student that was in my youth ministry uh, went to the church, but nobody else in the family did. And this student had walked in to a bathroom at her house and found her dad with a needle still in his arm. Overdosed and died. And I remember thinking to myself, someone else has got to do this funeral. I remember thinking to myself, surely they're going to walk me through what I'm supposed to do. I was left on my own. And I remember sitting in my room like I was scared to go before people and try to explain. I thought I had to explain why something would happen. And I think this is what we do. When, when, we, when we're going through something, we want to know the answer. Why, why are we going through this? We want to be able to explain our situation. Why? God, why? And I remember sitting there in that room and I was writing and I remember God speaking to me clearly and I've used this in every funeral since. I remember, say, I remember him saying this, that peace is never found in the answer to that question. You don't have to explain why something happened. You don't have to know the answer why. Peace is not found in that. Peace is found through my son Jesus Christ. And if you'll Listen, if you present Jesus to them, they can have peace. And so I remember getting before that funeral and saying, I don't know why. I don't understand why things happen. But I can tell you this. I've met a God who loves me despite my circumstances. I've met a God that has taken me through the most difficult times. I've found a God they can give me peace, and so you know what? I think you can have peace too. As a young 20-something kid, peace fell over that room. My next funeral was one of my students who went to a party, and someone brought out a gun, wanted to show it off to their friends, and the gun went off, and it killed one of my students. And I was broken. And I remember going right back to that same, that last funeral, and I read through those words, and that ministered to me, and so I shared the same thing. And I can tell you story after story. I don't know why, but God has, has I've had to do a lot of funerals throughout my time early on. But I can tell you this. The answer to why we're going through a trial never brings peace. The only peace we can find is when we turn to Jesus. 
And Paul and Silas are thrown into a prison. And they're beaten, they're flogged. And they're thrown into the inner cell. And they're shackled, stalks around their feet. And their only response is to pray and to praise. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how difficult your situation is, but I know this. If you'll pray and praise, you can experience peace. Because Pastor John talked about it last week. Wrestling with God is okay. Wrestling brings intimacy with God. Praying and praise brings intimacy with God. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what trial you have, no matter how bad your situation is, you can have peace. Can we thank him for his peace today? Despite your, your situation. Because prayer, listen, prayer releases control. Praise changes our perspective. Any control freaks in the house? Come on. It's just a bunch of pointing. I saw a guy back here with two hands. Evan, I know you got some two hands. I know, some, I know there's some, some uh, people in, in Evan that are control freaks. My, my, my wife would probably say, I need three hands up. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but I like to, I like to know the end results of things. Prayer says, I don't have to know the results. I just give it to a God who does. See, pray, prayer is hands out, God, you have it. Praise is hands up, God, you're bigger. Prayer says, I don't have to know the circumstances. I don't have to know the outcome. I don't have to know why. But God, in the moment of my distress, in the moment of my pain, in the moment of my issue, in the moment of my trial, God, I give it to you. And then praise says, and God, you are bigger. And God, you are worthy. And God, no matter how this turns out, God, I will serve you. And no matter what this looks like, whether it's different than I want it to be, God, you are bigger. God, you are worthy of my praise. God, you are worthy. So I put my hands out and I say, God, I give it to you. And I put my hands up and I say, God, I praise you. I passed a lot of kidney stones. You guys have known this. When I committed my life to Christ, I passed a lot of kidney stones. Some of you are going, uh-huh, I've heard the kidney stone story. <laughs> I passed a lot of them. And when I, early in my years of passing kidney stones, by the way, I haven't passed a kidney stone in a long time, so that's good. <laughs> but early in my years of passing kidney stones, it wasn't, you know, it's physically painful. Anybody passed a kidney stone? <laughs> You'd feel my pain. Like you can literally, like when someone says, I feel your pain, it's like, no, I feel your pain. But it wasn't as much the physical pain as it was the emotional pain that I was experiencing because I'd passed so many. The first time it was the physical pain. After that, when it became a pattern and a routine, it was like the emotional pain of why. And I remember the last time I passed a kidney stone, I remember it was late at night and I was laying in my bed and I remember all I did was I got up and I went into the living room and I got on my knees and I began to pray and I began to praise because listen, I'd been through it before. God's taken me through it before. So if he'll take, take me through it then, he'll take me through it now. God, I give it to you. It's yours. I don't understand why I'm dealing with it, but God, I give it to you. Teach me. Show me. And God, in the midst, I pray. I praise. Because prayer releases control. Praise changes perspective. You know, it's hard to complain and be negative when you're praising, isn't it? 
It's impossible. It's actually impossible to praise and to complain at the same time. When I was a, I was a youth pastor, that, that same youth group, we went to Mexico on a mission trip, and we were on fire ready. I mean, I tell you what, it was awesome, and I had a lack of sleep, and I remember one night, I went to bed, I was so tired. You ever had those moments when like, you've been working all day, you hit the pillow, and you're asleep? Anybody like that? And man, I am just, I am so comfortable in that twin size cardboard of a bed felt like it was amazing. And I'm woken up about two or three in the morning and some students are trying to saran wrap me to the bed. I caught those little devils and I ran them right back to their bed. And I went, we woke up the next morning and, and the pastor at that, that church had us kind of walk the room and he had us, he had us uh, praying. And I remember, I remember I was so frustrated. You know what's funny is frustration, like I said, doesn't have an end date, does it? It doesn't have an end to it. When you're frustrated with one thing, this is, eh, some kids tried to surrender wrap me to a bed. Not that big of a deal. I mean, kind of a big deal, but not that big of a deal. But it's funny what frustration will turn into next. Because when you're frustrated with one thing, you begin to be frustrated with another thing. And when you're frustrated with that thing, you become frustrated with another thing and another thing and another thing. And I remember, listen, I remember walking in that room and I was so frustrated. I was thinking to myself, I'm not praying right now. God, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to pray. And I remember God, I remember God just in a moment saying praise. Because you can complain or you can praise, you can't do both. And I remember just walking around, I began praising God and praising him for this and praising him for that. 30 minutes later, I've been praising him and thanking him. I'm just telling you, whatever you're going through, whatever trial it is, and listen, I'm not here to trivialize your pain. Because I'm talking about being saran wrapped to a bed. I'm talking about a kidney stone. I've dealt with some back issues. I'm not trying to act like I've had the worst of the worst. I've had a pretty good life. Some of you are dealing with some difficult things. Some of you, I, I know people in Edmonds specifically right now that are dealing with stage four cancer. I know some of you are dealing with a marriage that is broken. I know some of you are saying to yourself, yeah, you're talking about saran wrap. My, my husband walked out. Yeah, saran wrap, I'm, I'm dying of cancer and I'm a young mom. Yeah, you want to talk about saran wrap? I lost my job a year ago, and I haven't been able to recover it. And I'm losing my house. I get it. I get that we're going through some difficult things, but I'm just telling you, we don't have to ask why. We just say, God, I give it to you. No matter where I'm at, God, I give it to you. I give you my pain. I give you my hurt. I will give my hands out and give you control, and I'll put my hands up, and I'll praise you despite my situation. In the middle of my prison, in the middle of my pain, in the middle of my anguish, in the middle of my trial, God, you have it. Because they put stocks on them, and they put them in the inner cell as to say it's final, that's finality, this is where you're gonna end. 
Can I just tell you, where you are now is not where you will end. It is not final. It does have an end date. You serve a God who is the chain breaker. Can we worship him and thank him? Verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Say, say they're watching you. Look at the person next to you. They're watching you. So the other, other prisoners were listening. It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and, and everyone, say everyone. Everyone's chains came loose. Point three, your breakout may mean their breakout too. Your breakout may mean their breakout too. Listen, what you're going through may be about somebody else. When you get your healing, it may inspire somebody else to believe for their healing. When God restores your marriage, it may help someone else that's fighting through for their marriage to be restored in their marriage. And I hear crying. And I see weeping, but you know what I know? Is if we'll turn to God, your tears will be turned to tears of joy. Your pain can be someone else's hope. Because you're going to break out. You're going to experience a breakout. And maybe your breakout is all about someone else breaking out. And your neighbor's going to break out. And your coworker's going to break out. And your boss is going to break out. And your children are going to break out. And your husband's going to break out. We're all, everybody's going to break out. It says, listen, it wasn't just Paul and Silas. I said Pilus at the first service. It wasn't just Paul and Silas. It was everybody that was listening. Because listen, listen. People are watching you. And this world is dark. In fact, when the world's at its darkest, When the world seems like nobody's listening. When the world seems like it's going to a place that you don't want to be a part of. When the world's full of hurt. When the world's full of pain. When the world is mean. When the world is forgetting truth. When the world is at its darkest, God's light shines its brightest. And if I would have had this on the entire time, eh, everything else is bright too. 
But you know what? This darkness, Edmund, this darkness online, the darkness that you're in right now, is only an opportunity for God's light to be seen. So I say, let it get dark. I say, get more dark. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So can I encourage someone that is dealing with something at work right now and it feels like it's dark, can I encourage you? Just be a light. Can I encourage someone right now that feels like their spouse has given up on them? Don't preach at them, love them, just be a light. Sometimes we think being a light means I gotta preach the gospel right down someone's throat. No, sometimes being a light says I love you despite you you, and I'm gonna love you no matter what. Can I just encourage someone that feels like your children are gone, that you'll never get them back? Again, just love them. Be a light. Can I encourage you when your faith is pushed to a place where you have to stand up for what is right or have to conform to the world, stand up and be a light? Can I encourage the next generation that the world is looking for people to stand up and to be a light. I believe the 20-somethings and younger had the greatest opportunity in front of them to bring Jesus back. Let's bring him back. Let's be a light. Let's be a light. And I don't wanna blend in, do you? I wanna be weird. Anybody else wanna be weird? Some of you are like, Wade, you're already weird. I know that. I get that. There was a point in my life where I realized it's okay to be weird. It's okay to be different. And I want to be, I want to be bright for Jesus. But the coolest part of the whole story we haven't even read yet. I love this. It's still an Acts. 16, it continues in verse 27. So they were flogged, they were beaten, they were thrown into prison. Earthquake happens. All that Paul and Silas, Pilas, and the other prisoners break free. And that's really cool, isn't it? I want that. But what's really cool is what happens to the jailer. Check this out. Verse 27, it says the jailer woke up. Say, wake up. Sometimes we just got to wake some people up. It says the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted. Paul could have let it. You know, when I read through that, Paul could have said, I'm getting out of here. I'm not going to wake this guy up. I'm going to let him do his thing. I mean, honestly, let's be honest. Says Paul shouted though, because Paul cared about him. 
Paul saw the jailer through the eyes of Jesus, not through his own eyes. It says, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, because believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household, because it impacts generations. It says, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their hands, washed their wounds. Then immediately he fell I mean, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, and he and his whole house were saved. He and his whole house. Listen, I love it when a parent gives their life to Christ. You know why? It doesn't stop with you. Your breakout becomes their breakout too. When a father gives his life to Christ, guess what? Generations look different. When a mother gives her life to Christ, generations look different. And maybe you're the first person in your family to give your life to Christ. Guess what? You're breaking the chain in your family forever. Your breakout means their breakout, which means their breakout, which means their breakout. This word saved in the Greek is sozo. Say sozo. We probably sound terrible saying that. It means to save, deliver, protect, heal, preserve, do well, or be made whole. You know what that jailer was saying? You know what he was saying to Paul and Silas? I'm empty. What do you have? The God that you serve that could do this, I want that. I want relationship with the God that you serve. What do I need? Here's what he's saying. How can I be made whole? And they say, listen, just turn to Jesus. Just turn to Jesus. Can we worship and honor Jesus for who he is? Jesus, thank you for going to a cross. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for taking empty vessels and filling us up. Thank you that we cannot find anything in this world that fills us up like you do. So I thank you for every addiction that's broken today. I thank you for every marriage that's restored today. I thank you for every breakthrough that happens today, every child that turns to you today, every finance that comes into fruition today. God, everything. I thank you for a generation to stand up and look different so that you could be seen today. Let us be a light. We won't put it under a bowl. We won't hide it. We'll put it on a stand. Let us be lights today, Jesus, so people turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. 
If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.